everyone. Thanks for checking out the Indie Handshake Wrestling Podcast. My name is Paul Ponte. I am joined today by Price James, David Dark. How are you doing today? Doing good, buddy. Thanks for having us. I was really excited to get you guys on here to talk about You Cannot Kill David Arquette uh, because as a wrestling nerd, I watched this all unfold on live television. I remember seeing the whole thing happen where he won the WCW World Heavyweight title and the world of wrestling was set into a tailspin. And, uh, everyone, uh, everyone was kind of shocked about it and everyone was concerned. What does this mean for wrestling? Because, you know, wrestling has always had a high standard of nothing silly ever going on. But <laughs> for some reason, that was the thing that broke the camel's back. So I just wanted to know, were you guys, before you worked into this project, were you guys into wrestling? Did you guys watch it when this happened? What were, what's your history in wrestling? I mean, in, in, uh, I was a super fan sort of, 89 to 90, 91. Um, and like, you know, I was, you know, raised in England, so we didn't get a lot of uh, cable wrestling or anything like that. Um, but yeah, a super fan uh, in the kind of more sort of uh, outlandish sort of Hogan Ultimate Warrior um, era. And then got into like listening to grunge and punk rock. So drifted out of it. But then obviously during filmmaking, like fell in love with it, especially like the indie scene and the uh, bar wrestling scene in LA where I live now. Oh, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, I'm the same as Price. I'm the same as Price, man. I loved it growing up as a kid. And then life just took me in a completely different direction all over the world. And I, I lost exposure to wrestling. But I always knew that wrestling never really lost for me what it always stood for, which was like theater and like just a different world. Um, entertainment, the passion, the wackiness, the craziness, the larger-than-lifeness of it. And so I always knew that in the background wrestling was still going on, but every time I came back to it, like sort of the Steve Austin vibe when I, when I would see it didn't excite me like it did when I was a kid. But like, as Price said, coming back into it now during production, I'm seeing a new side of wrestling that I never even, even knew it existed. Like the indie scene is so vibrant, so incredible and rich. And like, I've completely fallen back in love with wrestling. We're going to matches now, even beyond production. Like we're still going to matches because we just can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's worth mentioning, Paul. Doug and I were in like punk bands when we were kids. So the indie scene has a lot of parallels with that kind of DIY kind of punk um, inclusivity love, but kind of it's like ultra violent, but everyone loves each other. And I think mm -hmm. that is something that really translate, really translated to us. And it's, it can be really funny as well as like dramatic and, and like kind of explosive and violent. And um, I think all those kind of parallels, especially like we're like, you know, we're film nerds and that's, you know, and being into sort of genre and sort of emotional humanitarian storytelling, wrestling kind of has all that. So to be able to make a film about it was something that really appealed to us, especially to like, you know, travel America, looking at these sort of small indie scenes and the Americana and I guess uh, all the different, you know, eccentric characters that come along with that. You know, speaking on that, it, it I kind of see where now like you talk about the parallels because you know, I'm kind of a movie nerd too, but I'm always like, the reason I think I gravitate towards indie wrestling as opposed to the more polished version of wrestling is because I prefer, I like the effort, even if the effort of something doesn't necessarily have the polished feel of, at the end, you know? So like, you can give me a $150, $200 million movie and it feels polished and technically everything is great. But I much prefer the, you know, like a movie that was made a few years ago called Turbo Kid where they're just like, we're going to, 
We're going to create this 80s post-apocalyptic movie, and this is what we're going yeah. for. And I don't care if it's perfect. I care that you put your love and care into this. I love that reference. Yeah, like for me, I'm into wrestling more than anything, I think, for the comedy of it. And so there's something about sometimes the comedy done badly in indie that's even funnier to me. So I totally mm. get that as well. I wanted to know... Uh, what, how did you guys get involved in this project specifically? Uh, did you just happen to see Arquette at wrestling shows and thought, well, this would be an interesting story to tell? Or how did this all start? No, we have a personal connection to, to the Arquettes through some humanitarian work we were doing 10 years ago in Haiti. So we knew the Arquettes, and David was familiar with my background as a documentary filmmaker. So he wanted to, to go on this journey and get back into it and, and had the foresight to know that it would probably make a good story. And he wanted to make this film primarily as a love letter to wrestling because part of his redemption, he felt that he needed to sort of prove himself visually as having the passion for wrestling. And then Price and I kind of convinced him that we needed to take it a, a level deeper and start unpacking some of the personal reasons why he might be wanting to get on this journey beyond wrestling and some of the things that may have affected him in his personal life that to combine into the story. And so he was kind enough to give us the access. I mean, you see in the film just how far we go in terms of the things you can see in his private life. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a great combination of my background in sort of more serious documentary filmmaking and Price's background as sort of a comedy commercial director. Uh, those two worlds came together perfectly for the story that really encompasses both of those worlds. Yeah, we sort of, we also, we knew that together we could draw more irony and sort of, I guess, maybe meta messaging as well, as, as well as digging deep and getting that kind of level of um, uh, intimacy from David to just also package the film like it was a sort of slightly retro sports action, sports action movie from, you know, from our childhoods, you know, hitting all those tropes of Karate Kid, Rocky and giving you the montage, but then just doing it with a little nod. And it's also, it's all real world. So I don't think there's ever been a documentary like this ever made. And, you know, it has the emotion. It appeals as on a sort of humanitarian, emotional level, but also just really entertaining. And, like, that's because of our kind of, like, our nerdy, like, 80s love of, you know, those sort of cult films. Um, and I think that all together is a kind of, very, I guess it's given it, like, this, this kind of package that, um, you know, we're really excited to, like, release. You know, it's recently I started working on a project. It's like a mini doc that we're doing on uh, Michael Modest, who was in the Beyond the Mat documentary uh, that came out before. And it's like the opposite end. It's he was an up and coming wrestler at the time, and then his and then the career went on, and it didn't go as far as he would have liked. And now we're kind of it's kind of looking back on his career, you know, from the from the period of someone who was thought to be the uh, next great star, and then now he he didn't end up being that. So now you're looking at it from the, the phase of someone who, except in Hollywood, was going to be, you know, a, bit, a pretty big star. Everyone had high hopes for David Arquette as far as in Hollywood, but then wrestling supposedly is the thing that, that uh, made him turn his back on it. Or that turned his back on him, excuse me. And I'm kind of curious as to, they always say in documentary filmmaking, you know, the narrative, you find the narrative when you're actually filming it. Did you... The narrative you had in mind when you started this, was that the same thing that came out when you finished? Pretty much. Apart from the, um, the obviously with detours as far as per his personal life and obviously the deathmatch twist, 
was something that we could have never planned. Um, but we knew there had to be certain aspects for a, a hero's journey to overcome. You have to establish the, the, the hero at the bottom. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have to establish the hero at the bottom at its lowest point. You have to traverse through obstacles. You have potentially have to meet someone who can educate you, which is DDP. You know, there's all these kind of tropes as far as like what a hero's journey is. But because it was so personal to David, we knew it was going to be totally authentic and eccentric. And David is a very, very warm, open, sensitive person who has the sort of mind of an artist, but he's, he's stuck in this, like, you know, the machine of Hollywood having had that, you know, that fame at a young age. And what happens when that, when that kind of fame changes or Hollywood looks at you differently? What do you fill that, that void with? Um, and you can do it with a real passion, which is what, I mean, he's always loved wrestling. So we knew that there was a hero's journey uh, as well as a sort of, you know, an intimate, I guess, documentary uh, movie. Um, and together they kind of, they fuse beautifully. Yeah, and I guess for us, we did have a vision of what it might look like if he was able to accomplish it. But you got to realize that when he came to us with the concept, he was like way overweight. He recently had a heart attack. He was like pretty down in the dumps in terms of his like mental health. And he was just a guy who was just not in a good place in life coming to us with a big dream of like fighting his way back to the top. So we loved the idea of what he was trying to do. And we were like, of course, we're happy to start the project, but never could have imagined that he was actually going to do it. You know, on paper, it sounded cool. And we're like, well, if he, if he does do it, this is going to be a great film. But we never could have dreamed that it was going to turn out as perfectly as it did and that he would actually accomplish what he set out to do. I mean, it really is a testament to his dedication, the fact that he did what he did. And when you watch the film, you'll see how hard he dedicated his life to it. So for a filmmaker, it's a dream come true because you just have a have a perfect story and someone that was willing to dedicate themselves to it fully, and it just worked. It worked in the end. And how did you find? Uh, I mean, I, I assume you guys already had everything filmed and pretty much done before this whole nonsense happened <laughs> with the pandemic. Uh, but how did that impact? You know, obviously, you guys were supposed to release the movie. I believe it's South by Southwest. And uh, that obviously that got delayed. But what else was like a big issue as far as COVID and how did that impact, you know, the finishing we're, of the movie? In a way, we were, I mean, we're very lucky. We're fortunate to have it all in the can. You know, we, um, editorial was wrapped around February completely. So we were looking, you know, we, we were trying to go to, to sales and to take it to South by. Um, we had a huge plan from a giant party with wrestling and bands playing. We were going to go full like indie bar wrestling scene, just like a big, chaotic chaotic kind of like event it was us and spike jones's beasties doc that were kind of the two the benchmarks so we were just so excited and then obviously like eh, eh, massive like detail in in in, in life um, and we just had to keep chatting luckily christina arquette and the execs at xtr were just you know they, they were so on it and managed to um push for the sort of neon acquisition which was we were so hyped on because neon you know, obviously distributing parasite which is like, you know, one of our favorite films from last year. So we knew that we were in good hands. And that was, um, you know, we, we were very, just very lucky to have a finished film uh, during this. And, and hope, you know, people are at home ready to watch things, you know. It's, um, you know yeah, and we have a drive through premiere on Friday as well, which we're really excited about. Yeah, and I think the timing, as Price said, is good because people need feel-good stories now like there's a lot of depressing content out there and 
I think this film is the antithesis of that. It's like, if you want a, a good underdog story, escaping a feel-good film is the perfect story for that. So I'm hyped because it's a good time for people to see this film. Pops having his, like, second act. He's just done... He's just dropped another film that just came out and it's like, it's great, it's free. And like, we're just really excited. Like we've been kind of teasing him saying, man, you're gonna get like, you're gonna get, uh, you're gonna get those like action movies. You're gonna get Marvel calling, mate. You know, cause this, to see a metamorphosis of a guy who's kind of a bit of a, a schlub, basically he's struggling with, you know, his sort of health problems and, and to see his transformation and know his commitment and physical and mental and, you know, it's worth mentioning that like everyone loves David, you know, that's just like something that we discovered during filming that, you know, he over tips, he helps everyone. He's late because he's, he's talking to someone's auntie, you know, and it's like, she wants to, you know, him to do a video message and like to someone who's so, um, it was just really nice for, for, for us, I guess, as far as, you know, like a Hollywood actor, being just like a genuine nice guy, you know, and he's just a warm, open, open dude. And um, I think that comes across in the film as well. The fact that we were always there and, um, you know, we, he allowed us access into his life and their family, personal life. When you got to see him uh, experience some death matches, <laughs> what, how do you, how do you been to a death match before? Is that the first time you saw it? No, I'd never been to a death match before and didn't really know what to expect other than that was going to be like, you know, we hoped that it might offer a good visual for the film. And obviously it was more than we expected in terms of what happened. He almost died. But yeah, what an incredible, what an incredible thing a death match is. Um, <laughs> something that I maybe don't ever want to see again, like have a friend almost come, come that close to dying in the ring. But yeah, that was amazing. And Price? Yeah, I mean, I'd seen it on, I guess, I've seen it on the internet. So I've seen like backyard, like wrestling and like, you know, accidents happen. Never thought it would happen during this. I mean, dog was on his shoulder on, on a cam and you know, dog had like shards of glass and blood all over him. Right. He, he was like, a, so to have that happen also when we were kind of wondering, Oh, I wonder what's going to happen on this like second act moment of darkness. You know, how do we take it into the third act? And then this just happens. I'm like, Oh my fucking God. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was awful for his family. You know, Christina was like, what the fuck is he doing? Um, but for us in that kind of like, you know, you, you sort of, you want, you want to explore all avenues of his life. And, you know, David's an eccentric character and for him to do that was, amazing for the film but like really dangerous and basically like really irresponsible <laughs> but i mean he's just he is who he is and like he had something to prove and he wanted to do on every facet of wrestling and like you know he he's all in he he just he was full committal to you know his love of wrestling and and he knew what he had to do and he was very focused and we were just lucky to be along for the ride and i know in the trailer uh it, it touches on it a bit about how he wants to show his love for wrestling and the respect he wants to give wrestling. But how do you, how do you feel it comes across in the movie? Do you feel like, you know, cause what, the thing about death matches, especially is some people are super on the fence with them. Some people think like, Oh, this, this is garbage wrestling. This proves that this is a, you know, a white trash sport, blah, 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 nonsense. But, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think, you know, like anything else in entertainment, there are, 
time and places and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So how do you feel it comes across in the, in the film? Do you feel like you justified wrestling? Do you feel like you made it a love letter to wrestling from David Arquette's perspective? No, look, I think it's a juxtaposition. David's an actor, and as an actor, he does a variety of roles. And he's, uh, ironically, he's famous for his, uh, his horror roles. And if you consider that a death match is the horror genre of wrestling, it was important for us to explore all the genres. That's why I think Backyard and Lucha and Pro, like it's important that he explored all those worlds. And if you're going to do a love letter to wrestling and show wrestling fans as the totality your passion for it, you've got to like reach out to all the fans. So David didn't want to just hit one genre of wrestling and explore one avenue. For him, it was important to really explore the, the, the sport as a totality. And that was why he felt it was important to do a death match. Plus, just, you know, if you're a fan of death matches, you consider that the highest form of wrestling, right? Like, if you've if you got the balls to put yourself on the line for a death match, that's, that's proving something, yeah? And so, like, for him, putting his body on the line was, was just as important as doing the entertainment part of it because he wanted to show wrestlers he's not just in it for the fun, for the love, for the celebrity of it. He's in it for, like, the grueling, gritty part where he's willing to sacrifice himself and bleed for the sport. So that was part of his dedication to just take it as far as he absolutely could. And I think you see that in that moment where he, he leaves the ring bleeding, not sure if he's going to die or not, his blood splitting from his neck. And he realizes that if he doesn't finish that match, he may lose the respect of the people in that room. And so even though his life was on the line, he was willing to sacrifice it for the, for the sake of the match. And like, to me, that's a very powerful moment that shows his dedication to the whole project in that, in that split second. Yeah, and it was potentially like a jump into the deep end as well, which he was very much, that's part of his, his nature. He wants to go all in as deep as possible, as fast as possible. And a lot of times, you know, in the beginning, we were like, well, you know, you, you, you kind of got to take your bumps, but he didn't have the, he didn't have the sort of, um, he didn't have 10 years of bumps, you know, so he had to go in quick and fast. And he, he had training, he'd been training, training for nearly a year and a half by the time he um, had that death match. So he'd you know, been around the block. He had a personal trainer, um, uh, wrestling trainer, Peter Avalon uh, in Hollywood. And he, you know, he'd been putting the work in. And yeah, he just felt it was, it was a fair representation of all facets of wrestling to go all in. Obviously, accidents do happen and we wouldn't advocate for, you know, um, neck uh, artery lacerations but um it's something that happened and you know he was very very fortunate basically yeah there's a yeah don't, there's a reason they have the don't try this at home commercials on wrestling <laughs> and that's a that's one of them yeah it's weird because david he fit almost like a 15 20 year wrestling career in the span of a couple of years if you add up all his time in the ring and it's 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 pretty crazy to think that someone would do that. I don't know how how refreshing is it. You know, you guys said you know you guys were like punk rock do it yourselfers. Like, how refreshing was it for someone like that who doesn't need to do this, who is doing it just because he loves it and he just wants the respect of people that he cares about and appreciates, like wrestling fans. Like, how refreshing is it for you to meet someone who doesn't? who just, is just doing it purely for the love of the game, quote-unquote, you know? I mean, it was, it, 
it is refreshing in some regards because he doesn't, you know, obviously doesn't need to do it financially. But I wouldn't say he didn't need to do it. If you ask David if he needed to do it, he'd say he didn't need to do it. I think for his own mental health, he you really need to understand how far it affected, how much it affected him that he was the laughing stock of wrestling for 20 years, and like people would spit on him, and like all the vitriol online actually affected him because he. You imagine if he loved something and everyone else had loved it, hated you for loving it. It just really got to him, and so he had to do it. He really did have to do this for his own sanity in some ways. And I think, you know, when you see the end of the film, he's definitely put those demons to sleep, and I think it's just going to help him rest better at night. So it was refreshing in some regards, but it was, I think, the most refreshing thing for me was to see someone, like, actually overcome their demons in the end and and accomplish what they set out to do. Yeah, it was... Almost, you know, like classic storytelling, you know, like a classic tale. His worst demons were himself, really, even more so than the sort of vitriol he received, the anger from, from the general public via Twitter. Um, and it's sort of overcome, you know, overcoming that as well as realizing that, you know, with aging in Hollywood, it's really, I mean, I, I also feel like it's, it's kind of a film about aging in Hollywood and like what, you know, what do you, what happens to you? you know, in Hollywood, when you've been, your whole life has been part of the system um, and everything's changing, we're all aging. And what, you know, it's that kind of like, without getting too existential and stuff, what, what, are, what are your passions? What is the purpose of living? And he wanted to make amends for himself and for fans. And he was a true wrestling fan, I think. And that, come, that kind of comes across. The why was something we were, you know, that was something we wanted to explore uh, in the, in, during the movie. Um, and it was just so apparent with his level of conviction and sacrifice that he's a true wrestling fan and he really did um, get the redemption from the indie scene and the uh, wrestling community. It's a, interesting you mentioned the, the mental health aspect. I mean, I feel like we had a very similar uh, moment recently with uh, Ahmed Best, who played Jar Jar Binks in Star Wars, the, the, the uh, prequel series. He had a whole online vitriol towards him. These people that hated these movies so much that they had to blame this poor dude who just played a part in a movie to the point where he was talking suicide and all kinds of stuff. And then only recently he started like going back to Star Wars conventions again. And he started like fully like coming full circle and like, you know, basically battling the same demons that you're saying that it felt like David Arquette did. So going into knowing that you're going to be dealing with an aspect of mental health when it comes to something like this, you know, um, what are some precautions you have to take, you know, cause you know, dealing with mental health is one of those things where if you cover it wrong, it's kind of a big deal. So how did you guys go in, you know, what was your mental state going in on mental health on this? Look, I mean, we had to handle it with kid, kid gloves, obviously. Um, David has, has many more struggles than beyond the fact that wrestlers were angry at him. I mean, he's obviously battled with addiction a lot and has got many more struggles in his life than just the fact that wrestling fans didn't like him. And I think his dirty laundry has always been out for people to see. I mean, he's been very out there in terms of, like, doing interviews late at night on Howard Stern when he was off his mind. And, like, people just knew that David wasn't in a good place at life. And so, you know, we, we didn't have to, like, alert the the public to that and I think when you watch the film if you know anything about David you might know his history with mental health struggles um, but yeah I mean I think if anything the film's a great example of how you can 
you can take control of your life. He was, as I said, in a really bad place in his life. And now he's doing fantastic. Like he managed to turn his life around. Um, and I think a lot of that is just the positivity of taking control of his health and his weight uh, and his family life. Um, and, you know, and conquering your demons. Like if there are things that are troubling in your life, you don't have to just live with them. Go after them and, and attack them full on, which is what he did with wrestling. So I think that the message for mental people suffering from mental health is a good film for that because there's a lot of positivity in what he's managed to accomplish. And it's not the fact that he's a celebrity that did it. Like, he did it as a real person that can just, you know, go, go full into something and overcome it. That's something, and also we, we, we knew that to make a sort of objective film, we had to strip away some of the celebrity and just leave him exposed as a, as a, a human, a, you know, a guy in, who's 46 years old, struggling with life, who just happened to be, uh, you know, a product of a, of, an, of, a, of, a, of a Hollywood system. And, and, how, what do you, and how do you, you know, when you, when you have those demons, how do, you, how do you vanquish them, you know? And I think, I think we did a, a really, you know, a great rounded job in presenting that. So uh, having hung out with a lot of wrestlers in my time, I've worked on independent wrestling uh, in multiple capacities, photographer, website designer, all kinds of random stuff. Uh, wrestlers are a, a different breed of people. They're, they're kind of bananas at times. Uh, they're really funny. But I'm just wondering, were there any funny or interesting moments when you're filming this that you couldn't put really in the movie because it just didn't fit the narrative, but you were like, man, this was so funny. I wish we could have put this in. But we just, there's just no room for it. Oh, dude, we had 240 hours of footage and it got cut to a one hour 30. So you can imagine the gold. <laughs> there's like some, I mean, there was, uh, I mean, just the chiropractor scene. You know, there's a lot of stuff that'll be in the DVD extras I want to add. Um, you know, and people still, still buy DVDs, by the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some like stuff in Mexico is incredible. And just there was, yeah, the comedy. Yeah, there you go. Physical, physical media, please. Physical, By physical media. Ah, oh, the uh, watchable disc. Yes. Um, yeah. So that was just you know, like you, know, like you said, wrestlers are intrinsically just funny. Majority of them are funny, entertaining people. So, I mean, apart from like RJ City being such a brutal roast master um, on David, just like destroying him constantly, that was kind of a joy to watch. Just those two kind of going at it. Um, but just in general. The eccentricities of wrestlers, you know, it just always came across, um, and it was that's what that's what was so fun to watch and like really hard to to edit. Yeah, and like you said, he packed in a career's worth of wrestling into a couple of years, and all of the promos that, he, that his opponents were doing were hilarious. And so we would have loved to include more promos, and some of the storylines were just ridiculous, and a lot of them would make fun of his career and. A lot of them were like scream-related promos and talking about his horror career. So there was just there was so much comedy in the promos as well. They didn't make it in, but you just got to follow his actual wrestling career to see some of that stuff again. But um, yeah, it was amazing. And then like Price and I grew up as like insane Smashing Pumpkins fans, so we we really only wanted to make this film so we could meet Billy Corgan. And he was at an NWA match in Nashville, and we got to meet him, and it was like the best thing ever. So. That was a dream come true. Awesome. I love, uh, yeah, see, I, I, didn't, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, Billy Corgan. It's so weird that he got involved in wrestling. It was just so strange, but so I weird. love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, 
can't believe we're going to ask this. So you went to multiple shows with David Arquette, tons and tons, enough to record 240 hours worth of footage. Fans are bananas. Indie fans are bananas, especially if they've been drinking. Uh, any, any funny uh, fan interactions you saw when you were uh, filming this? Um, at Hollywood, it's actually in the film. There's a mother and a daughter, and the mother is like the the, the dirtiest potty mouth I've ever I've ever heard. She's she's in the trailer going rip his head off. Um, she, yeah, and it was just hilarious. Like mother and daughter just both shredding the wrestlers, uh, you know, butts. And um, yeah, she was really really funny. Um, in general, the, I think the southern the southern fans are, the, are for me the funniest. They just can like they can give it really really well, um, and also fans get it. They get like it's a sort of back and forth. It's interactive, you know. So you're encouraged to do it. And I, I mean, I'm a fan of I'm a comedy director, so the roasting element is something that I thrive on. That kind of slightly sadistic. Who can make a funnier quip? And um, yeah, that's I mean, it's 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 gold. The, the funny thing for us, I think, was it was so easy to find people willing to talk, talk smack about David online, about how much they hated him for what he did to wrestling. But then when we were, like, interview fans in real life, they would, like, totally go into the show. They weren't willing to, like, say anything about it. Like, oh, no, David's a really nice guy. We're like, no, what do you really think? And so we did. We could find a few, like, in, in the Richmond signing event. You hear some guys really, like, speaking their mind about it. But... It's funny how people like aren't willing to talk on camera like they would in behind closed doors. But if you look, you know, if you look on YouTube at what people think about David Arquette, it's very different than what they're willing to say in person, especially when he's standing there. And yeah, it's uh, a lot about sort of online trolling as well. The fact that you know, with uh, with you know being anonymous, people are very very willing to sort of. Uh, kind of squeeze out their own anxiety in their own life onto someone else. Um, but once you've got them on the camera, they're like, oh, no, he's great. <laughs> so, uh, an interesting psychology. So I'll just end with this. Uh, and then you guys can please promote when the movie comes out. And, uh, but I just want to know the hardest you laughed when you were making this documentary. Probably the baby sun tanning. Which one? Sun tanning. Maybe, maybe this, uh, the uh, yeah, tanning, tanning booth. <laughs> Yeah, that probably. I think maybe it's in hindsight when we realized we'd survived getting beaten up by the nasty boys, um, and they smashed our cameras. That was pretty funny in hindsight. Hmm. Yeah. Also, it's not really in the movie. We got cut out, but like uh, David's best friend Jerry um, would always like go put up a high five, and like David would never see it and like leave him hanging. <laughs> and it just we had a, we had a montage of that. It was like the funniest shit I've ever seen. But we just didn't have enough time uh, in the in the movie. But but that for me, you can just that kind of sense of best friends, you know. And it is the kind of like um, you know, it's got a bit of buddy buddy movie in there as well. That was for me very funny. All right, and the movie comes out August twenty eighth. August 28th, yep. rental on demand, and 21st in all drive-in theaters near you. I think there's 300 across America, apparently. Am I that wildly incorrect? Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys being on here. David, I'm a big fan of uh, your documentary work. Uh, Price, I'm a big fan of Action Man shorts. I think they're hilarious. And uh, you guys have a great day. Thank you very much for being on here. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Paul. buddy. Appreciate it.